Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have an awesome lady joining us. Her name is Deneen Joyner from the greatest city in the world. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is where she's coming in from. So, hey, stay with us. We'll be right back. And we're back, and I want to bring the amazing Deneen Joiner on with us. Hang on, let me get her in here. Boom! Welcome to the show, Deneen. Thank you for having me, Ken. I'm excited that you're here. So, um, wow, you're in Pittsburgh, which is one of my favorite, if not my favorite city, one of my favorite cities for yeah. sure. So, um, Deneen, I created this show about two and a half years ago, um, and it was really to help people get unstuck. And I, I think that we go through things in life, we experience painful events, and people get stuck there. And I truly believe that by hearing other people's stories of how they plowed through all that and succeeded anyway. I think it's it's healing for us. So that's what this show's about, is your story. And hopefully you have some pain in there. <laughs> I have lots of pain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, so, so let's start with where you were born and raised. Yes, well, you mentioned I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, born and raised here. Awesome. And uh, I grew up in the 70s. So I'm in my mid fifties and yes. And, and so it was very interesting growing up here, Ken, because the, the climate for um, diversity was not, you know, like it is today as far as just being, you know, uh, consciously aware of other people's differences and things of that nature. So I was really struggling with, uh, with that, with just being um, this, this young girl of two blended cultures and, and those cultures were native American and in African. So my mother is native American and my father is native is actually African and he does have some native American as well. But wow. so those were the cultures that, that I knew of. And so I identified though as a, a black girl. And that was primarily because my mother had some fears of her own growing up and, uh, you know, of, of just being um, seen as Native American and what that would mean to her life and maybe some disadvantages. So it was all yeah. fear based for her. Yeah. She transferred that fear to me. And so in, in my Thanks, sisters. Mom. Yes. <laughs> I know. Right. And so, you know, so it was kind of like a, you know, behind behind the scenes thing, yeah. um, you know, the fear. And then and then what also ended up happening with, you know, just trying to understand my identity and what that meant for me was I started to at the age of five, I started to encounter encounter some supernatural abilities. Mm. 
surrounding. Oh. Yeah. How about that? Surrounding. The first thing was that I started to be able to see and hear angels. Mm. And so they appeared around the time that I was five, like I mentioned. And not only that, but my my home, the climate in my home was was starting to become very chaotic, mm. meaning that my my parents were, you know, were struggling in their marriage. Uh, my father had some infidelity issues and my mother was trying to hide that from us. And because I was starting to um, become aware and in touch with my empath abilities, sensing and feeling other people's emotions and things that they were struggling with, I started to sense and feel these things within my mother. Mm. And you can only imagine at the age of five trying to figure out what is this? Why do I feel this? Um, you know, and trying to compartmentalize it because I knew on some levels it wasn't mine, but I didn't have, you know, the language to articulate what was going on. Clearly so at five, how could I? Right, right. So I did what most people do when they encounter things that are kind of like makes you scratch your head and or, you know, uh, painful on some levels is that you you don't even look at it. You just kind of just file it away. Right. As a and, as a that's not real. <laughs> right. Kinda, right. Yeah. Like yeah. That's not that's not really happening. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So more of that started to happen with just different things, abilities, my gifts really started to come into full throttle, if you will. And I noticed them, like I said, they would become more apparent to me when there was distress in my home. So it was almost like a safe haven, if you will. I was actually being ushered into spirit world and being wow. protected. Um, wow. And so, yeah. And so it, it was cool for me to be able to have the ability to actually leave this earthly space and go there and be protected and, you know, and be entertained, if you will. Yeah. And then, you know, unfortunately have to come back and realize, you know, the reality that was playing out in my home life at the time. And so, you know, I never told anybody that I had these abilities. I had that wise soul wisdom that said, you better keep it to yourself because nobody will probably believe you. Yeah. Um, and you'll be ridiculed, you know, even further because I always that, felt like. Did, did the, you feel like they might lock you away in a padded room? Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. I probably would have had a custom made one, Ken, for sure. Right. right. <laughs> so wow. I said, you know, keep it to yourself. And can you imagine just like, you know, again, you know, a five-year-old, seven-year-old moving through life with all of this stuff, not having anybody to really talk to about it, not really having the language to even explore it, even with yourself, you know, you just kind of just went through the motions and there was a lot of things, um, you know, neglect, a lot of emotional neglect, a lot of uh, financial neglect. So we didn't have the things that we needed growing up. So right. we lacked a lot. You know, and so and when you don't have the things you need as a child, you know, that's more pain yeah. because then you start to internalize it and you really think on some levels there's something wrong with you. Why can't I have the things that I need? Forget the things that I want, but the things, just the basics, yeah. you know, 
especially when you're seeing your friends or people, you know, around you who have these things readily and it's like nothing to them, but it's something to you. And because you don't have it, you, you feel lost and you feel, you feel a sense of, of abandonment, self-abandonment. Right. Wow. So, and this is that you're starting to realize that you have these, these gifts um, we'll say we'll start with one gift, and that is um, some sort of God-given ability to remove yourself, um, at least f- spiritually, from the the environment. Was this a violent? Was there violence? Is is it, that the not towards me, but towards my mother? So there was yeah. verbal, verbal, and physical attacks. Um, from wow. my father, my father was was very, you know, he was in and out of the home okay. because of his infidelity. Yeah. Um, and he was an entrepreneur, so he worked a lot. Um, and then when he would come home, you know, his his way of 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 getting back out was to pick a fight. And so wow. that was his M.O. And because I was the youngest, I'm the youngest of seven. I'm the baby girl. Wow. I know. Right. And so it often left me, you know, there with my mom because my older sisters were doing their thing, you know, and I always had, you know, that sense of responsibility. I, you know, even as a child, I felt like everything was my responsibility, even my mother, even my mother's well-being. Yeah. You know, whenever, whenever, as you mentioned, you know, whenever my father um, physically abused her. I was the one who would console her. I was the one who would run and get cold washcloths to, you know, to apply to her bruises and, and you know, conf- you know, confront her and and about it and comfort her on a lot wow. of different levels. And that's that's a lot for a child. Did, did you ever ask her or say to her, you need to you need to leave him? You need to get away. Did, did it ever occur to you as a child? To, no, no. You know, which is no. very interesting. No, I never, I never, you know, I never approached her about leaving him. I think really on some levels, Ken, I think that I knew I had the hindsight that on some levels that this, this basically was my reality, her reality. And I think that if she would have, you know, left on her own, um, I think things would have definitely, believe it or not, gotten even worse. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think so for sure. So I think, you know, it was kind of like, okay, he's not here that much. So, and and so that's kind of how like she played her cards was that, you know, whenever he came, she knew what she was going to have to endure, let him do whatever and leave. And so in a young girl seeing this happen to her mother, seeing her father do this to um, yeah. her mother and, you know, and then not be there to to actually just take care of you. You know, yeah. it does. It really does a number on your soul yeah. and your spirit for that's, sure. That's yep. I, I'm. I can relate. So I, 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 and it's unfortunate, but, but, um, so, so you, you, and were you, what part of Pittsburgh? Were you right in the heart of Pittsburgh? Or? In the, yes. We, we yeah. were primarily in the East. Okay. The East of so, Pittsburgh. So you were here, you are, you're going to school, I'm assuming. Yes. Um, and did you end up going through high school? Did you graduate high school? I did. I did. Okay. Miraculously, I was able to to, you know, pull through. 
yeah. to focus, to get, you know, nothing but the grace of God for sure, because there was mm-hmm. so much going on. There were, you know, un- unfortunately, I was uh, sexually assaulted for months from a, a family member when I was um, 16. That went on mm-hmm. for months. And I never I never told anyone that because my life was threatened. So oh I endured that. And then later on, I was date raped when I was a sophomore in college. So I did go to college. Wow. Um, you know, and so I had things that, you know, perpetuated and continued when it related to pain. Yeah. Um, you know, and I never unpacked it. I never unpacked it, which is so, you know, um, interesting as later on I became a social worker, worked with people, you know, wow. who, Good. yes, who was in the throes of their, you know, their pain and, and um, trying to get their life back on track, you know, very successful career in that helping people to do that, you know, but yet I could not figure out how to unpack my own and to help myself until much later. Wow. So, so you went to college, where'd you go to in Pittsburgh? I actually went to WVU. Oh, did you go to, did you? Yeah. Down in Morgantown. In Morgantown. So I have my bachelor's in psychology and then later on, um, in 2011, I actually pursued my master's in adult education and curriculum design. Wow. Yeah. Too many Christmas. Yeah. So, so you, you go down to Morgantown, you're in West Virginia. Um, well, I lived in West Virginia for five years. I was down in Charleston though, but. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful, but man, it it's is. a different country. Oh, it is. <laughs> I agree. I would agree. It's completely different. <laughs> it so, is. um, you were down in um, Morgantown, West Virginia. You went to college down there, and then you ended up moving back to Pittsburgh. I did. Was that right after college? You went back yeah. to Pittsburgh. I and, came right and is back. that is that when you started your career in the in so the? Sure. Um, Not right away, yeah. But eventually, I got I you know finally got my foot in the door, and and did adoptions for a number of years. So adoptions is like near and dear to my heart. Those families, mm. children. I was responsible for doing home studies for for parents, families who wanted to adopt. And, you know, so I did all ages, babies, you know, um, young children. And I did that for five years. Oh, my goodness. Very rewarding. Very rewarding. Wow. That's so awesome. And it's so needed. It is. In this world. I mean, it's so needed. Still needed. <clears throat> and uh, you know what's uh, well we have I have a story I'll tell you offline about okay. that it's, Okay. Um so <clears throat> excuse me. So somehow you got through all of that you ended up going to college which is impressive um and then you moved back to Pittsburgh and eventually you got into the social work okay. stuff in in Pittsburgh, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and how long did you do the social work stuff? A little over 18 years. Oh, wow. That's a long time. It is. <laughs> In yeah. one place. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I moved to Dallas for a number of years and I did it there too. Okay. Um, it was more administrative though. I worked for the area agency on aging and, okay. and did some things with them. But yeah, primarily... You know, always, always in the social work or behind the scenes facilitating, 
you know, uh, programs that can help the community, things of that nature. So always in the role of facilitating help, healing, growth. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, like when you became an adult, excuse me, when you became an adult, you, you, did you see, or looking back now, I guess, because mm-hmm. hindsight's always easier. Looking back, do you see where some of that stuff that happened as a child and 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 as a teenager did did it did it have any kind of a negative impact in your life as an adult? Oh, for sure. What Felt What like are it. some of the things that you see now that you were like, oh yeah, that that impacted this and you know yes for sure like believe it or not like i had never seen my mother cry um other than when you know even when the pain was inflicted upon her with my father it was it was not the 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 type of you know crying that you would you would normally see if somebody was really you know badly hurt but i mean outside of those moments like you know i've seen her sad but never emote, never cry, never really Mm. show her emotions. And that trans, you know, that transferred over to me. And I didn't realize that I was, you know, during, um, you know, my formative years as a child, like it wasn't my first go-to to cry. I kept everything inside. And so moving along, you know, as a young girl and later woman, again, that wasn't my first go-to, um, to, to, to cry. I would journal, that's how I got my emotions out through just writing, but, you know, to express myself. So I saw that I started to see, you know, um, once I started my healing journey in 2011, where everything just kind of like fell out. Um, I, you know, uh, the bottom fell out. I hit rock bottom and I was basically forced into um, a new life, a new way of being instead of carrying this muck around you know, mm-hmm. that I had begrudgingly and figured out how to do it, I decided that I could not do it anymore. And so I needed to, you know, give myself the same uh, permission, the same support, the same love and advocacy that I had given so many other people. Right. And and I needed to, to learn how to do that for myself. And so I, I did that. You know, I started to look at my life with a new lens. I started to, instead of being biased, you know, and, 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 and blaming and shaming myself for things that I had no control over whatsoever. Yeah. I really had to, you know, give myself that compassion and, and really give myself forgiveness um, for those things that I thought that I really did have responsibility for. And once I started to do that, then that lens shifted and I could really see a young girl who really did not have what she needed. And so, you know, using that social work hat of mine greatly helped me to uncover and really see how I came to be. And I was able to, like you mentioned, see the things that were glaring to me, you know, such as not having that emotional framework to go right. off a, a healthy one, not really having a true model for one either, yeah. not yeah. having anyone really to talk to me when I was upset um, or even feel comfortable enough. So I had to relearn a lot um, where it came to my emotions. 
And, you know, and, and I would have to say the thing that really spurred me and kept me going, Ken, throughout this journey of mine to uncover, you know, who I am emotionally was that I needed to always become curious. I needed to keep uh, insatiable curiosity about who is Deneen? How did she get here? And I had all of the answers because, of course, I've been there since day one. So, right. you know, I, I knew who the players were. I knew what they showed me. I knew, you know, how it was showing up even today. And I have to say that along with curiosity, being conscious, staying conscious is the key to being able to move forward with any type of healing journey, being conscious every day. It's not just a, okay, I'm going to heal my life. I'm finally going to unpack and then expect it to miraculously just unfold. You have to really commit to it and you really have to partner, literally partner with yourself to do the work. So I have a question, a couple of them. This, this, by the way, is a client and friend of mine, Laura. She's a, she's a nurse practitioner and she works with a lot of, um, older geriatric, I don't know what you call them, like the older, older patients. Uh Um, So uh, she's probably going to say something to me now. Um, But what is VAAA? What is that? I love VAAA. I don't know. Huh? Um, So, (laughs) so how about approximately, I'm not trying to, well, you told, told everybody you're in your mid fifties or whatever, but yeah, I'm actually 56. Are you really? That is unbelievable. Wow. You do not look 56 at all. Look, that's because my soul is 20. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. area on aging. Area. On oh, aging. Okay. okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and she and Laura refuses to go over to streamyard.com forward slash Facebook to approve Facebook to show her name and face. <laughs> but anyway, so um the so about how old were you when you started waking up to the reality that that, you know, this crap that went on as a child is impacting me in a negative way. I think that, you know, to be honest, you know, it people awaken throughout their life at different stages. There's always some trigger. There's a trigger that usually takes you back and, you know, and you and you start to see that, you know, however you've been living is not it. So there wasn't, you know, there was a significant thing that occurred in 2011 when I was 47, for sure. It prompted everything. But I have to say before that, you know, there was periods in my life, in my 20s, in my 30s, 40s, you know, where you just got that visceral, this is not the life that I want. How can I get out of it? But you're still spinning. And you don't know how to get out of it. So I've always had those awakenings. And I believe that that's what people have until they yeah. actually awaken. And yeah. so so what happened to me, because I had no more room in my soul to hold on to all of this that had happened throughout my life. Like I said, I was actually forced into hitting rock bottom and deciding that you know, it was time for me to move forward and to stop 
um, holding on to it and feeling like I had no other choice. I was, you know, literally a hostage to my pain, like yeah. most people. And so, you know, so it was a, it was when I was 47, um, I saw that it was, um, it was time. It was time and, and I could feel it and sense it. And that's when I started to really do that deep inventory of my life um, and, and, and recognizing, you know, the things that no longer served me, the things that I used to do to try to keep things even keel and to be able to continue to carry it and move forward, you yeah. know? Um, so well, like what you said, you, you, you were hitting rock bottom. What, I mean, what I, I'm a recovered alcoholic with 18 years sober. So I, oh. I know all, I know all yeah. about rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, so what, what's, what's that mean though to you? I mean, I, yeah. I you know, I was homeless and, and then done yeah. like, yeah. you know, yeah. So what's that look like for you? Yeah, there was a there was a string of things that had happened consecutively within, I would say, a year's time. One of which was that I, I decided that I wanted to change careers. Mm. And so I took my re retirement, my savings and I invested it into a business. And within probably eight months, that was it. It was over. Oh, so I wow. Was out of, yeah. So I was out of money um, and I was out of hope. And and then I still didn't give up. I said, OK, I'm going to keep plugging along. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I went back to social work um, and also enrolled in the master's program I told you about, because I said I can shift gears. I've always enjoyed educating people. So that's where I was headed was okay. to that. But I was still trying to pick up the pieces to my life, you know, and. I was literally sleeping on, you know, friends and family, you know, their couches till I could put my life back together till I could get an apartment, you know, and it was just like a really dark place for me after being so successful. So I thought, and, you know, it just being independent to have to rely and open myself up and be so vulnerable at that time really made me feel like, you know, what's the point? And then what ended, mm. what ended up happening was my vehicle, the only vehicle that I had that I had actually was so proud and had gotten a couple years before was repo. Yeah. And so because I missed payments on it. And yeah, the, the, the bank that I've found that out too. the bank really does enjoy getting their payments. Yeah. And they, and they could care less if you're, you know, if you're yeah. actually in the throes of something like yeah, they, they, they don't care about your emotional pain. Yeah, they uh, don't care. No. So, so, so when they, you know, when they came and actually took my vehicle, it was, it felt like they had actually repoed my soul. Yeah. And so that was the rock bottom moment for me where I really didn't feel like I had any more tricks in my bag. I didn't even care to, use any tricks anymore. I was at ground zero, literally. Yeah. What I didn't realize though, that ground zero was where I needed to be in order to give up all of the control, all of the things that I thought my life was supposed to look like and be. And so it was a good thing that I got to ground zero. Unfortunately, the way that, you know, did it unraveled, it had to, because unfortunately, like most people, Signs had been sent to me throughout my life that it was time for me to, you know, really just atone and heal that I ignored. 
And so when you ignore the signs, when you feel like you have more time, then, you know, spiritually, you don't have more time. You don't realize that. But more signs are going to continue to happen. And they're actually going to, you know, really um, increase and, you know, and to get your attention. And so unfortunately for some people, you know, that, you know, that increase could look like, you know, being diagnosed with, you know, with an illness, you know, or, or losing your home or whatever it is, whatever that, that pause is, it's a pause and it's placed there for a reason. It's placed to get your attention. It's placed for you to, to actually start to do that self inventory. Yep. And, you know, you're not going to do it. If you feel like you still have tricks in your bag, you feel like you're managing to get through each day doing whatever it is that you do to numb it, you know, to stay, you know, to keep, um, you know, believing that, you know, you're okay with carrying this pain and, and you're not, you're not okay. We're not designed to carry pain, which is the reason why it gets worse and worse with every day that you do nothing about it. And you know, what's interesting that I found there's, there's a book that I just love called power versus force. Um, and it's all about kinesiology and, um, and, and he talks about in the book that everything that we are, are pushing against, like, you know, when we're trying to force something force our way through those days that you're talking about, like we're automatically creating resistance in the universe and, and that when we surrender, that's where true power comes in. Yes. And that's yes. what you're talking about. And, yes. and, and I think that what's what's crazy is we don't have to hit rock bottom no, we, don't. <laughs> we really don't we although don't. it is a great launching pad sometimes mm-hmm. rock bottom can mean death and yeah. and and then you're launching nowhere so you know i i love the direction that this story is going so so at 47 years old um you're sleeping on friends couches or or wherever you'd said um, your car got repoed. They're really good at finding those cars too. <laughs> they are the sneaky. Yeah, they packages. are. <laughs> um, but but so so your car got repoed. You're at rock bottom. You're like, okay, I I, I you're basically yeah. in surrender yeah. mode. I, I don't I, know I was, for sure. Yeah. Surrender mode, and and you know, I've always had a deep relationship with God since I was five. which was something that developed just, you know, naturally, which it should, instead of being enforced upon you. Um, It happened naturally for me. I I often knew that whatever was transpiring in my home, that nobody down here was going to be able to help me. You know, so I often called on God. And and again, that's when I was always surrounded and and taken. Um, you know, so it was, it was the same thing in this moment where I hit, you know, literally was on my knees, um, in the bathroom, um, and, you know, and just called on God and said, I know this is not it. I know that you did not bring me this far to have me just give up. This cannot be it. And so I asked him to become my teacher I said, whatever it is I've been missing, I'm open to, you know, your direction and correction, yeah. you know, please, please help me. And, and it was like radio silence for a number of, of days. It felt like weeks, but it was really only days. And I thought to myself, oh my God, what did I do? You know, like, 
Like, hello, like, did you hear right, me? Like, right. Did you I, not did hear I, me? We have a problem here, Houston. Help me, help me. But what I, what I saw, Ken, was that the first lesson that he wanted to impart was patience. Yeah. And he wanted me to be still and be quiet and not rush in. Because I tell you, I was tempted to. A couple times I was, I was just like grappling with, okay, I cannot deal with the silence. You know, I need some direction here. What is it can you do? And it was just like blank. I could not even think of anything. So it was like he just removed all of that normal, you know, rushing in to do something, which is, like I said, he didn't want me to do that. And so, you know, over the months that progressed, this was my journey was a little over three years. Um, What ended up happening was I started to become more attuned with my gifts because at some point what I didn't mention is that I started to become and feel like an outcast because of these gifts. I knew, you know, I felt on some levels that they weren't normal. And because I didn't have anybody to really talk to, to explore them. Yeah. um, I just really just, you know, denied them. Realizing later that denying them was the, you know, really the biggest part of who I am are my gifts. And, And so denying them really alienated myself, you know, from who I am, which caused even deeper pain and turmoil for me. So during this healing journey of mine, I became reacquainted, if you will, with their beauty. And I also became connected to um, my ancestors who had been waiting for me to start this healing journey and to guide me and to help me through. So I started to connect with them and to hear them, um, to hear their wisdom, to hear their thoughts about emotional pain, which is really not sent to, you know, to tear us apart, to make us stay stuck and unfulfilled. It's really to prepare us, you know, for something greater that's been waiting for us. Um, You know, it's a preparation that nobody really wants to go through, but it's necessary. And, you know, and so I learned so much during this journey through them um, and, and also being able to go back and sit with my mother to, to talk to her about you know, our culture and, and to also learn a lot more about my father's side of the family who I had been estranged from because of my, my parents ultimately divorcing. So you, you went and physically sat with your mother and, and, yes. and I thought we were talking about the, the, the spiritual side. So you went and talked to your mom and, yes. um, was there anger? Was there, did, did, did you? No, there wasn't, you know, it is so interesting. Um, you know, I've never had any anger towards my mother and, you know, and rightly so I could have, you know, on a lot of different levels, I really could, but I saw her as, you know, like she stayed, she could have left, she could have left and left us, you know, like in foster care or with, you know, whoever. She didn't do that, you know? So it was, you know, anger never really came up for me when it came to her. Um, It was readily easy for my father, of course, you know, because I was like, hey, if it wasn't for you, you know, so I had to, to even, you know, heal through that. I had to heal through, you know, um, through both sides, to be perfectly honest, you know, like my mother, 
you know, she played a role in this as well. You know, like I said, she played the cards that she felt like she had to play. Now that she play them right, I don't know. You know, I was impacted by, you know, what she played. Um, you know, however, you know, I understand now as a woman and, you know, and, and having a son of my own, you know, sacrifices that you have to make as a, as a, as a uh, single parent and, you know, and being able to do that. And so sitting with her allowed me to really get clear on a lot of trajectory when it comes to, when it came to the emotional framework of my family. Right. And so, you know, that's something that I would really, you know, um, tell your, your listeners if they can, you know, explore that most people, you know, they, they kind of know they're crazy. If you will, they'll say their family drama or whatever, you know, but go deeper than, you know, just the, 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 uh, the, the family get togethers that maybe go awry or, you know, whatever, um, go further, go, go back in time and see how far back you can go as to, you know, um, the things that seem to be prevalent that are, you know, that thread that just continues to be there um, all the time. Like you, like you mentioned, maybe there was drug and alcohol in your family. Maybe there was a string of divorces. Nobody seems to be able to stay married. Um, maybe there are abandonment issues or, you know, ish, intimate issues with your, with your parents, mother or father, you know, and, and look back and see if you can go back a generation and see, you know, um, if those things are still, you know, showing up in the generation before you and those before, those are threads. Those are things that you can start to look at um, and see how they are playing out in your life um, and, you know, and how they're showing up for you. Right. And, you know, and, and, and you, you have the power, you know, to examine them and, and see how you can actually begin to heal those things within you. So, so this, so you started this journey of um, exploring at forty-seven years old. You said yes. Um, and and we're, you know, I mean, you talked about having these gifts of uh, these spiritual gifts at five, six, seven years old. You realized um, you go through college, you start this career. Did, did, were you, were you aware, even though things were, were wonky in, in life, were you aware that, that these gifts were still there the whole time? Were you like, no, you lost touch with them. Wow. I, I lost touch in the sense that there was a level of consciousness. Right. There were, they were always there. You know, they were always sure. in the foreground I know that, you know, the the success that that I've had in my career had everything to do with those abilities, being able to tap into other people's feelings, emotions, giving them, you know, giving them basically the empowerment to turn their life around, using their language that they understood, you yeah. know, really being able to meet them where they are. All of those things are part of my gifts, you know, wow. So I was doing it. I just wasn't giving it credit as to that's what I was doing. But clearly that's what I was doing. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't until later on until my healing journey started until I, you know, invited them wholeheartedly back in. I, you know, recognized the power that they hold and, you know, and that they are at the core of who I am. 
Right. And, you know, doing that, of course, now I'm consciously aware of them and I invite them in all the time. You know, that's the only way that I can live now is to be surrounded and to tap into them so that I can help other people um, and guide them to their, you know, through and to their, to the other side of pain. So, uh, so you went, you went, you, you said you went through this for a few, a few years, this kind of recovery process. Um, Was there a day when you're like, was there a moment where you were like, I I feel like my soul is healed now. Yes. Yes. There was. Yes. October 8th, 2014. Oh, snap. She even knows the date. Gee, yeah. Christmas. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. What, what was, what, how, what, how, what happened? How did you realize? Like, I know. Right. So, yeah. So it was a little over three years of me just really sticking and staying to this journey. Yeah. You know, and, you know, just really, really, you know, not giving up, being elevated, you know, and having revelations about my soul wounds, you know, all the things that I spoke of earlier in the show and really just being able to, you know, tie it to certain things and to become more consciously aware of lessons that I had missed before that really were healing lessons for these wounds. Um, And so I became more consciously aware of the lessons that were associated to these wounds and how if I could stay conscious and aware of them when they showed up, that I could master them and I could respond differently instead of responding to pain the same way, which really would just fulfill me being stuck and unfulfilled. So I did that for a little over three years, just really ramped it up, really studied myself. I became literally a student of myself. And what ended up happening was, you know, um, the morning of October 8th, I awakened in the morning, it was around 3 a.m. And I felt like I was dreaming because it was so peaceful, calm. It was a calm that I had never, ever felt in my life. And, you know, and I was afraid to move, Ken, because I thought you must be dreaming. There's no way that you could feel this deep, profound peace and Mm -hmm. bliss. But, you know, I said, okay, I'm going to move. I challenged myself. I said, if it's a dream, it'll go away. And if it's real, then it won't. And, you know, and I quietly got up and I went out into the living room, sat in the dark, and it did not leave. And what transpired rapidly after that was, again, all of my ancestors, I could hear them. It was like they were all talking at the same time. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, I can't understand, you know, because there was so many voices. And I sat, you know, quietly. And then all of a sudden there was just one voice. And, you know, that voice basically was just telling me, um, you know, that that everything that I had endured, you know, it was almost just like, you know, how your life flashes before you. I wouldn't yeah. I would envision before you die. But this was my life flashing for me um, because I was actually living now and everything that I had endured painful made perfect sense. I understood, you know, all of it. And it made perfect sense to me that, you know, that the lessons and things that I had encountered throughout this healing journey had to happen. And and now, you know, I was giving, you know, the 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 total healing um, that allowed me to understand that, you know, my destiny was to now that I had went through this journey successfully 
got all of the elements that I needed to, that I would now be able to use all of my ancestors, Native American inspired healing practices to impart to other people. So this became apparent to me that what they call holy assignment, the reason, true reason why you're here, everybody has one and it's revealed to them, you know, once they do their healing work, once Devon feels they've been prepared and they're ready to actually um, help other people, right? then it's revealed. And so my holy assignment was revealed to me. Um, and one of the things was for me to share with other people this blueprint for healing, for soul healing. And it's organic, it's natural. Um, and you use everything that you know about your life and yourself in order to activate it. And you learn how to partner with yourself. You learn how to, to really open yourself up, as you mentioned, surrender, and to remain conscious throughout the journey. So I wrote the book as a part of that holy assignment so that people who I may never you know, meet or speak to would actually have a framework using my life as the backdrop to start their healing journey. And then I also do, as you already know, I do um, private coaching and public speaking yeah. using using my gifts to actually in real time help people with their questions about their life and to help them navigate and see things in a, in a different light. That is absolutely wonderful. Why don't you show everybody your book? Hold your book up there. Sure. <clears throat> yes. Soul Wounds, Sacred Revelations. Yes. <laughs> that is a warrior daughter's awakening to pain and destiny. Yes. That's amazing. That is <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So I'm going to, I have a, um, I'm going to grab the link here. So anybody that would like to go grab a copy of your book can do so. Yes. Um, thank you. And it, there is a little, um, apparently, we were talking about this. There's a little bit of a uh, faux pas on Amazon. Her, um, the hardback version is showing on Amazon. Well, here I'll just uh, let me just share. I'll share. I'll share the page. We, we'll just surprise everybody. Here we go. Here we go. Um, it's it's uh, you can get the hardcover version for two hundred and forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents today and today only. <laughs> um it's not $249 there is a um there's a little bit of an error but you can get the the um this the the paperback version for 14.99 and once they have that uh error fixed it's 24.99 for the hardcover correct it is yes okay and then the, it says kindles 399 um but when I first logged in, it said it was zero. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. But um, yes. so there's there's the book. Everybody needs to read the book for sure. Yes, they'll get something out of it. It's the type of read where you can't put it down. Uh, and not only that, but every time you read it, I always encourage readers to read it several different times. And, you know, you're going to get something different out of it every time you read it. It's one of those types of books where you're right. going to be taking notes, highlighting, you know, having so many ahas about your own life. That, that is, that is so awesome. So let me ask you a question. Do you, cause 
you know, I, I grew up in, in, in a lot of insanity mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, for the longest time, I know for a fact that I, I mean, I, I sabotaged the crap out of everything I did in life. Mm -hmm. I, and I, it was because I walked around feeling like a victim all the time. Yeah. I felt mm -hmm. like a victim sure. and, and I always looked for unconsciously looked for, you know, situations I would put myself in where I would end up being the victim. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that from what I've seen is a lot of people experience that. Have you seen that? Like a lot of people go through that. Yeah. Like you said, it's unconscious, you know, it's an unconscious thing that happens but it's also, you know, again, talking about those lessons, those those soul lessons that are out there that that we're not aware of. Yeah. But if you were aware, it, just think about whatever it is. You know, if you were aware of your wounds, such as they are, yep. and these things happen to you, you were consciously aware of them, then you would know that whatever was going on playing out was something that you needed to lean in and examine and respond differently to it instead of letting it happen to you. Yeah. When you yeah. don't know, then of course you're not going to respond differently and you're not going to be consciously aware, you know, and you're not going to be in control. You know, right. it, it's because you don't have that level of awareness that, you know, these things appear to be attracted to you and they are, they're attracted to you for a reason. Yep. They're attracted so that you will pause and look and say, Groundhog's Day. Like, why does this keep happening? Like, what's going right. on? What's up with that? You right. know, like, how many people get sick and tired? Yep, it's true. It's true. So, so are, are you still doing social work at all, or are you? No, your full time no. speaker and yes. and coach. Yes. And, uh, that's so awesome. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah, it's very very rewarding. You know, yeah. I work with all different types of people. And, you know, one of the cool things that I do now with my gifts is I have the ability to connect to the person who I'm working with, um, their ancestors. So I'm able to, to you know, I, I'm a soul medium, which yeah. means basically I have the ability to tap into another person's soul with permission as I'm working with them wow. to, to actually gather their soul wounds, to identify their soul wounds, to to identify their family karma, those generational things that we spoke of earlier, to also identify some of the lessons they need to be mindful of, yeah. their triggers. And, and so then I'm also able to connect with their ancestors, usually one in particular, who is their main guide, who actually will impart some additional enlightenment about their life and things that they need to be mindful of. And wow. so I actually hear them and I take notes and you know, I deliver what's called a soul reading. So soul readings are basically the way and the reason people find me. They go to my website and they go for a soul reading. And soul reading is really, really um, comprehensive. It's a blueprint, spiritual blueprint. And it's downloaded from the person's soul to mine. And I, you know, I write everything up and then I actually meet with them for two hours scheduled on Zoom. And it's recorded. I deliver everything to them. And, you know, people are blown away because um, the only thing that I ask is for their name. 
and their parents' name, and and that's it. And then three days later, I meet them for the first time, literally. So I channel all of this. So it's not like a psychic reading where I'm, you know, meeting you for the first time and I'm doing this and getting. I do this before I even meet you. I wow. get. Yeah. <laughs> What's your website address? Yes, it's DeneenJoiner.com. Joiner.com. I should have had that scrolling this whole time. Didn't yes. think about that. So yeah. is that yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So joiner.com and are are what's the best social media? Where where can people follow you? I have a, a Facebook page called Choose to Be Empowered. Is that linked from joiner.com um, actually, no, it's not on there. <laughs> Ironically, no, it's not. So if you want to put that up, choose to okay. be empowered is, is, uh, the page that they can actually follow me on choose to be empowered. But if they want direct, you know, communication, they can just go to deneenjoiner.com. There's so many ways on there that they can work with me. You know, they can get a, a, a spiritual, um, session. They can get, you know, a one-on-one -on -one and they can get their soul reading and they can work with me privately for wow. you know two months, four four months, whatever the need is. That is absolutely amazing. My wife's on here. She's 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 impressed with with what you do. So oh, thank you. You know, I, I think that um it, it's impressive what, what you've gone through, um, what you what here she put it up as well so thank you jill um what what you've gone through and what you've overcome and and gotten dug into the to the truth about and recovered yeah. from it right yes yes and yes. and you've been able to 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 reframe the entire thing like you've reframed the entire thing so my wife is um saying how do we get to look 25 like you do, right? No kidding. Jeez. That's amazing. So so what about the uh, I, I gotta ask you about the the it looks like teardrop. Teardrop? Yeah. Yes. So that's basically that's like my signature um that I use to to really um empower people to do their work because they are illuminating teardrops. And yeah. so that means that you're working through something on purpose. And so you're gonna have teardrops for sure. But when they fall, you'll know that they're lighting a path somewhere to you. And, and that you know they're not just in vain, they're not just tears for tears sake, that you're doing the work, that you know they're, they're taking you somewhere purposely and and that at some point you're you're going to arrive and you're going to you're going to be okay. Thanks I for asking. I, I, I had to. I'm not. I'm not letting that slide. So I, and I every picture I saw of you on the internet, I'm like, she's got. What are these teardrops? I gotta yes. ask her about that. Yeah. So so you know, I mean, there's a lot of um. You know, I, I, I think people need to realize that. And I, I said this on a Facebook live recently. I'm like, look, 
y'all do realize how politics works, right? Like we're all being played <laughs> like Democrats and Republicans and all the, they all yeah. play golf together after the, after they stir up all the crap, you know, so stop. But you know, in the midst of all of this craziness going on in the world, and there is a lot of it, at least there the is. news is reporting. There's a lot um, of crazy. And, and, you know, a buddy of mine runs the suicide hotline for the state of Ohio and, and the, the, the calls are through the, like never been this high ever. And, and suicides actually people going through with it are never been higher. And, and so in the midst of all of this stuff, going on in the world the the racism the 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 the, all of the craziness happening how what do you say to the world to to help them bring peace to their hearts and their lives i would say you know there there is a core of peace within all of us that we have lost touch with we came into this world with it it is our birthright. Pain is not our birthright. Peace is. Right. And if you can say that to yourself, that, you know, that, you know, I'm being distracted. We all are being distracted by what is playing out. We can feel it. You can cut the tension with the knife. You know, um, the things that you see on TV, yep. you know, really just kind of exasperate the whole thing. But if you can really just walk away from that, find some time to carve out in your day. And just really just sit and acknowledge to yourself that there is a peace that dwells deep within you and call in your, you know, your, your divine, um, your divine comfort as far as, you know, whatever you believe in, you know, I think that sometimes people can lose sight of that simple belief. Um, You know, we've all been through some trying times throughout our childhood, but we're still here. And, you know, it would be easy just to say, okay, this is how life is going to be, but it's not. This is a test for all of us, yep. you know, and, and we all have to do our part so that collectively, you know, the cloud that we feel, the darkness that we feel can lift. So all that we can do is individually just take some responsibility as far as just being able to sit with yourself and to be able to acknowledge some things. And it's okay. You don't have to have the answers right now. Just the simple acknowledgement of, you know, I feel afraid. That's powerful to say that. It's when you say you don't feel afraid when you do, is when you go against the grain and it makes it worse. But just being honest with yourself, being truthful in this moment, you know, and, and finding a level of peace within yourself. Not on the outside, but keep it within, you know, seek your own solace. Don't go outside of yourself for it. Look for it within and, and, you know, and, and be, be kind and be gentle with yourself, especially right now. You know, people are so quick to just beat themselves up, especially now, you know, and be so, you know, we can really, really be mean to ourselves without even trying, you know. And, and I would say really just try to, you know, be kinder to yourself, be softer to yourself, you know, and, and be loving. That same love that you extend to other people that you have been throughout this pandemic, 
give it to yourself first. Amen. I love that. I love that. What do you think the, um, and I ask this question of every, every guest, it's always the final question. What do you think holds people back in life from experiencing success and joy and happiness and financial well-being? What do you think the number one thing is? Themselves and what they tell themselves and what they saw. You know, it's it's that, you know, what you have been surrounded by growing up, you know, becomes basically your blueprint, if you will, you know, and if it's not a healthy one, then, you know, you tend to think that it is until somebody tells you differently. And so the things that, you know, the disparaging things that we've heard about ourselves from possibly other people, it might've even been our parents, you know, friends, family, whatever, you know, you hear that it becomes a recording within yourself you know, and, and it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. And so, you know, those things that we tell ourselves when we're alone sometimes are, are less than, and they're not, you know, they're not very kind, which is what I'm speaking to, you know, at some point you have to break your own heart is what I say, you know, breaking your own heart means not believing those things because they're not true. And deep down inside, we know that they're not true. That's why there's that discomfort. Yeah. That's why, you know, why spirit and, you know, and God is asking you to to do something differently, to believe something differently. And, you know, if you can challenge yourself to look for those clues to prove yourself wrong, prove yourself wrong is what I say. And that's what spurred me. I wanted to yeah. prove myself wrong because I thought, you know, some very bad things about myself, too. I didn't think that I was capable of doing certain things that I wouldn't get beyond a certain point in my life that I would always carry pain. And that was further from the truth. And I was ready to challenge myself and say, if that's what you really believe, then game on, let's go for it. Let's see if we can find this to be true. And what I found was the opposite. I found once I unraveled everything and actually connected the dots and saw how I learned and who my teachers were and what they taught me, and how that transpired and how I lived that out instead of what God had already put down on the inside of me, that, you know, that it was that that was already recorded on my heart through God, that really is what I needed to be following instead of what I thought that I was supposed to be following. So it takes, you know, a level of commitment to actually prove yourself wrong and, and, believe, and believe that you're so much more than what you think. And even in this moment that you're so much more. I, I say all the time that, you know, you, you signed up for this mm-hmm. before you got here, you signed yeah. up, you, yeah. you, you watching made an agreement that you were going to go through all this stuff that you've gone right. through That's to right. get to where you're supposed to get to. Yes. And, and I, I love it. I love it. Go get her book right now. <laughs> The link, I just put the link in the comments again. Go get it right now. I pinned the comment to my personal Facebook page. So go over to Amazon, click that link, grab a copy of the book. It's um it's it's 15 bucks and and it, it it'll it'll change your life. So 
Denine, thank you so much oh, for coming on today. I love you. I love your energy, your beautiful, radiant smile. You're thank just you. you're you're just a wonderful, wonderful person. Thank you. Girl. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. And thank you to everyone who's been on and shared this out and and commented and everything else. So thank you all. Denine, stay with me. Don't hang up. I'm gonna I'm gonna um end the show, but Thank you to everyone who's been here. Y'all have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Denine. You're welcome.